good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you this morning. I, I need to say Michael is an all-round smashing bloke as well, so just, just so we make sure that that's really well known. Um, it's lovely to see you this morning. If you want to unmask, you are welcome to. So what we're asking is, is that we mask when we're moving around the church centre and during our sung worship, but at other moments, if you want, you can unmask. Okay? Lovely to see you. Imagine for a moment you had a really lovely vase or a bowl and you accidentally dropped it and it smashed into pieces. What would you do? <laughs> Scream, cry, dearie, dearie me, yeah, whoops-a-daisy, that's a good English one. <laughs> and then what we would probably do is we'd sweep it up, wouldn't we? Find some newspaper, wrap it up and put it in the bin. There is an ancient Japanese art called kintsugi. And what that does is it takes broken pottery and repairs it by using lacquer mixed with either gold, silver, or platinum. And so what this art of kintsugi does is it treats the breakage as part of the history of that object rather than the something that has to be disguised. And that's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, I don't know what that bowl looked like before, but I reckon that looks better now. You see, when something is created, that's amazing. But I think that when something is recreated, in some ways, that's even more miraculous. So, for example, you know, if you, if you know somebody that's um, you know, suffered from an addiction in life, and their life is reset and repaired, and you know, they're set free in some way, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? That, that act of recreation, or a broken marriage that is restored, that is a wonderful thing. Last week, we were thinking about the way that COVID-19, this last 18 months, has really disrupted our lives. And I was sharing the way that I believe that now is the time to reset. And that might be in the area of family and friendships, in work life, in finance, in study, maybe in our lives as followers of Jesus. And if you're here today and you wouldn't yet say that you're a follower of Jesus, you're incredibly welcome. And I hope that what we share is helpful. But many of us here are followers of Jesus, and there may be areas in our discipleship that needs resetting because the last 18 months has been so disruptive. As a church, we're resetting. We are gathering together. It is, it is a beautiful thing seeing kids and families and adults and people come in, isn't it? Just me. I think it's a beautiful thing when lots of people come in and we gather. I think it's a beautiful thing. So maybe for some of us, it's a time for us resetting our involvement in different things. So many things in life right now need resetting that it can feel quite overwhelming. So the question I want to start our series with today is, where do we start? Where do we start? So if you have a Bible, could you turn to the book of Nehemiah? That's what we're going to be tracking through over the next couple of months. Um, we've entitled this series, Reset. And here is the historical context into which Nehemiah finds himself. And I've put it on this timeline here. So back in 586 BC, Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. And then a little bit later, the Persians conquered Babylon. Some of those exiles returned to Jerusalem in 538. They started to rebuild the Jewish temple. 
Um, There was a second return to Jerusalem under Ezra. You find that in the Bible. And then the story that we're going to pick up today in Nehemiah. Nehemiah gets some really bad news in about 445 BC. And what we need to remember is that they'd taken the priority of rebuilding the temple. But a city in those days without walls was very vulnerable. And so the people living in a city without walls, like the people in Jerusalem, you you wouldn't get a wink of sleep at night. You're always wondering, you know, who is going to come and attack you? So we're going to start the story in Nehemiah chapter 1 from verse 1. It's a good place to start a story. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. We're going to just pause there. Nehemiah hears some bad news. But I want to suggest to us today that his reaction to that bad news is fairly unexpected. It's quite a surprise. First reason I think it's a surprise is because this wasn't new news. This was really old news. The city has been broken down for about 140 years. This was not new news. But I want to offer a second reason to us today, and I think it's a bigger reason. And it is this. Nehemiah's own circumstances were really good. If you skip down to verse 11 of chapter 1, Nehemiah was cupbearer to the king. That doesn't mean he was the king's personal barista or wine waiter. What that means, he had a position of influence and honor within that royal court. He was part of the inner circle. His life was going well. It was a fairly important governmental position. So things were going really, really well for him personally. But what we see is that for Nehemiah, that was not enough. That was not enough. See, one of the signs of God's grace in our lives is that it is not enough until others are doing well too. It's not enough if my life is going okay. It's not enough until other people's lives are going well too. It's not enough that I'm blessed in some way. A Christian remembers that we are blessed in order to be a blessing. And so a Christian, a follower of Jesus, reaches back to help somebody else. And Nehemiah is just in a long line of characters we find in the Bible who lived that kind of way, who understood that attitude of God's kingdom. Let me just give you two examples. The first is the example of Moses, great leader in the Old Testament. But we read this about his life. This is from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 to 26. It says, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Do you see that? His life was going really well. He was part of the royal court of Egypt. 
He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. It's a great insight into his life, isn't it? Things were going really well for him in Pharaoh's court, but he chose a different path. He says, you know, the life that I've got, the comfort that I've got is not enough. I'm going to reach back and serve someone else. And the greatest example is Jesus. This is one of Paul's insights into the life of Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, everything, had everything, Yet for your sake, he became poor so that, through his prov- so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. That's beautiful, isn't it? That's what Jesus has done for every one of us here. Gave up the glories of heaven, humbled himself as a servant, and walked the way to the cross for you and me. That's reaching back. That's what we see in Nehemiah. So as a place to restart, first thing I want to suggest is live generously. Live with open hands as we reset. Whether we have much or not very much, one of the things that I believe to be true for all of us is that everything good in our lives is a gift. God doesn't owe you and I anything. He doesn't owe us our food, our clothes, our jobs, our families. He doesn't owe the next breath in your lungs. It's all a gift. It's all a gift. Everything good we have is a gift. That is a starting point. And so let me make this personal for us today. What are you doing? What am I personally doing with what God has given us to reach back and serve somebody else? That's the starting point of the book of Nehemiah. What are we personally doing with the good things that God has put into our lives to reach back and to serve somebody else. Beyond your tithe, we want everyone to give generously. But beyond that, what what, what are we doing with the good things that God has... Are we just buying more stuff and then bigger cupboards to put more stuff in? What are we doing? You see, after we've given generously to the church, maybe we find some other ways to give. Here's just a couple of things that we do as a family. One of the things we do is we sponsor a young girl in Peru, helping her well-being and her education. So we do that as a family. And then you may have noticed this um, big barrel as you come in by the front door. Did you notice that this morning? There's a big barrel by the door with food in it. And that's for our storehouse compassion ministry. And what we encourage everyone to do is to regularly bring in items of non-perishable food and simply to put it there. And that's one of the habits we've had as a family for the last 20 to 25 years, just to bring in and to reach back and to serve in that way. You know, what about our time? You know, as our church community resets, I want to say again clearly, this is an all-hands-on-deck moment. Do you remember prior to COVID, you know, it was possible just to pitch up and enjoy a worship service, and there would be people around, and you could sort of get away with it. I want to suggest now this is an all-hands-on-deck moment. 
So could you give one to two hours a month to serve on team, to serve the church that you love? Might be with our children and youth. There's a wonderful team. I've just dived into their prayer meeting this morning. They, they, they've been praying. If you've got children here today, the team gathered. They got up early and they prayed for your kids. And they do that each week. Maybe you, you serve as part of that. Or um, our, our welcome team. Again, a couple of guys out in the I saw Sunday out in the car park this morning. God bless you, sir. I saw Alex out there. Can we give them an applause? There are all of the other guys welcoming us in today. And then the guys on sound and video and tech, they need double applause. So one to two hours a month. It's on a once a month um, schedule is the way that our teams run. If you're not currently part of a team, we would love you to join one. And the way to do that is to come over to the welcome point at the end of our service today. There are postcards there, or you can simply hop online. If you get your phone out now, I'm going to choose to believe that you're going to riversidevineyard.com forward slash teams rather than Facebook. <laughs> Unless you're messaging about our service today, in which case, go to Facebook. Maybe you have some time in the week or on a Saturday you know, to, to, to serve with our compassion ministry. We spoke about the Harbour Project last Sunday morning, a meeting place, language classes. The Busy Bees parent and toddler group is hoping to start up in the next couple of weeks. Lots of other things like that we would love to hear from you. So we start by thinking beyond ourselves, living with open hands. So that's the place where Nehemiah starts. He, he hears bad news. Okay? So he's heard this report of bad news. If you heard that something in your home had broken, what would you do? You'd jump on the phone, wouldn't you? You'd call a builder. If it's really bad, you'd call an architect or an engineer, a plumber. You'd, you'd get, you'd, we'd go on with that, wouldn't we? What do most of us do when we hear some bad news? Maybe um, someone that we know has had a, a bad health diagnosis. They've been diagnosed with cancer. What do we do? Well, we, maybe we jump onto Google, right? Because we want to find out. Or we, we want to make sure that they're getting you know, the appropriate medical support. Um, or maybe we, we, we cook a meal and we, and we get, get some other friends to cook a meal for that person. Uh, essentially, we, we, we try and make a plan, don't we? And that's because, as human beings, we like to be problem solvers. We, we see something that's broken, we, and we love to try and fix it in some ways. And no, none of those things are bad things. But it's not what Nehemiah does first. Let me read verse 4 to us again. When I heard these things, in other words, when he heard bad news, I sat down and wept. And for some days I mourned and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. So where do we start when we need to reset? Prayer. We start in prayer. For followers of Jesus, the first thing needs to be prayer. So if we need a reset in our families, or as parents with kids, or kids with parents, or in our marriages, or in our friendships, or at work, Bring it to God first. You know, maybe a part of your life that needs resetting is a return to an office space. And you're kind of thinking, how does that work going on public transport in the office space? And you can feel that kind of like, you know, all these questions. 
bring it to Jesus. If your marriage has been strained by lockdown, as many marriages have been, and you know that there needs to be a reset in that relationship and in priorities in the marriage relationship, take it to Jesus first. You might have heard of a Christian author and speaker called Joyce Mayer. She said this, when you've got a problem, don't go to the phone, go to the throne. A little bit cheesy, but you get the point. We're quick to jump on the phone, aren't we? Take it to Jesus. And what we're going to see as we track through the book of Nehemiah, it's almost like a tutorial on prayer. Pretty much every chapter, we're going to find Nehemiah praying. And in the verse that I've just read, we see that he prays to the God of heaven. In other words, he prays to the one over everything. Not, not just the one who's over my life or over your life. Not just the one who's over this church or over Feltham or Staines or Ashford or fill in the blank of your... Or over the UK or Nigeria or Kenya or, or even over the world. The God of over heaven. The one over everything. And so we're going to read his prayer and then just dip quickly into it. So I'm going to read from verse 5. And the words are going to come up on the screen behind me. And what I'm going to just invite you to do, if you want to, is read this aloud with me. And just catch the sense of his prayer, if you want. So I'm suggesting we read this version, because if we've all read different versions, that's going to get a little bit convoluted. Okay, up for that? Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him, and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night. For your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my ancestral family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there, and bring them to the place that I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Here are they are servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Great prayer, isn't it? Great prayer. How can we pray? That's a question I just want to like, help us to, to, to kind of think about this morning. How can we pray? What I'm going to do is share a simple model that we've shared previously um, in this church. Simply P R A. Why? 
based on those four letters. And I'm going to acknowledge Pete Gregg, who's visited us here a couple of times. He, he oversees and leads the 24-7 prayer movement. He has written this book, How to Pray, which is a phenomenally good book. P-R-A-Y. Pause, rejoice, ask, pray. Pause, rejoice, ask, pray. Let me just unpack those very briefly. Pause. I don't know about you, but so often in prayer, we jump straight to the ask, don't we? You might have a prayer list, and we just, Lord, I'm here, you're here, could I have some food? I need a house. We jump straight to the ask. A far better way is to pause, to center ourselves on God's presence, to still. You know, the psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. That is a great place to start in prayer. What Nehemiah does, he sits down and he weeps. And he actually does it for a few days before he asks. That's quite challenging. We pause. Second thing is we rejoice. We see that in verse 5, that Nehemiah remembers that God is awesome, that God is loving. So we remember who we're coming to. And I love the way that Nehemiah says, you know, that God is listening. Again, you know, just, I'm not going to dwell long in that, but take that away and ponder on that. That the God over the heavens, the God over everything, is listening to you right now. Your jaw should be hitting the floor. Because that is extraordinary, isn't it? That the God over the heavens would care enough to listen to your heart right now. That's amazing. In our prayer, that's a good point. You know, you might pick up um, and read some scripture to, to help that rejoicing. If you're musical, you might pick up a guitar or a keyboard. If you're not musical, um, the worship guys here have put some great playlists together. On, I think it's on Spotify or YouTube. You can go to riversidevineyard.com slash resources, and there's some really helpful worship resources here. Really good practice is from time to time, just maybe once or twice a week if you can, just write down a list of things that you are thankful for. One of the things that I do, you know, if I'm, I, I often pray when I'm walking and I want to thank God, I, I will start with the parts of my body. Lord, thank you that I can walk. Thank you for my legs. Thank you for my arms. Thank you for my head. Thank you that I can see. Thank you that I can hear. Thank you, Lord, that you've given me a brain, that I've got some intellect, that I can understand some things. Lord, thank you for my friends. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my church. That's a very quick version. Really helpful just to write down the things that we are thankful for. Pray, pause, rejoice, ask. A couple of things I just want to mention at this point. As we come into God's holy presence, we will become aware of our imperfections and our mess. And so like Nehemiah does, we very often need to ask for forgiveness. Say, Lord, I've messed up. And confession is simply owning up. Lord, these are the ways that I have messed up, and I need your help. And again, a very helpful tool is something called the Daily Examine. There's a link off the resources page. Also, this book by Peter Scazzaro, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. The Daily Examine just simply helps us walk through our day, the things that have happened in our day, and help us to emotionally process those things. And sometimes we will realize that our emotional response to some things was not a good one. And at that point, I'm sorry. 
and we ask for God's forgiveness. But asking also means that we bring our request to God. Nehemiah asks for favor. And so in this reset moment, there may be areas of life where you know you need to reset, ask God. Might be for your finances, your family, your friends. Do you know, the beautiful thing is, is nothing is too big and nothing is too small that God doesn't care about. So we ask. Fourth thing, why? Yield or say yes. I love the way at the end of this prayer that Nehemiah aligns himself with what God has said. You see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane on the evening before he, he died on the cross where he says, not my will to his Father, not my will, but yours be done. That's yielding, that's saying yes. See, we may have all sorts of hopes and dreams for our lives. The place to start is saying yes to Jesus. And so as I close, I want to just take us back to that image of that kintsugi bowl that I shared at the beginning. See, my, my sense is, is that many areas of our lives have been disrupted over this last year and a half. Some things may be shattered and feel shattered or in pieces, or maybe you feel like life is pretty together, but there, there are a few little chips, you know, just like grazes on the edge. One of the things that I love is the way that Jesus can reset and recreate in our lives. I love that he has the power to take the pieces of our lives and bring them back together again. I love the way that, have you got a testimony of that? Can, can, say yes if you do. You can type that on. Have you got some testimony in your life of something that was broken in your life that Jesus has brought back together again? Yeah? It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? The way that the Lord can bring beauty out of brokenness. It's a beautiful thing. And I love the way that so often the Lord uses our history to write a new story. I love, I love it. There is incredible power when, for example, somebody who has experienced addiction in their past receives healing from Jesus and can help bring freedom to other people. I love it when maybe someone who has experienced grief or bereavement in their life and has received some of that resetting and recreation of Jesus is then able to minister that to somebody else. Do you see the way that the Lord so often takes the broken things and makes them beautiful again? And what I want to just encourage us again today is that resetting in our lives is best done with Jesus. He wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to enable you to live the fullest imaginable life this side of glory. He wants your work to flourish, your study to flourish, your family and friendships to be a blessing. He wants you to be full of peace, to be non-anxious presence in a very anxious world. And I believe that Jesus has a plan for resetting all of our lives that is way better than our own plans. Way better than our own plans. And so I simply want to invite us all in this moment again to say yes to Jesus, to yield to his plans. He knows how to reset that bowl of our lives way better than us. And I love the way that he can kind of weave his beauty into those cracks. So can we do that? Can we just bow our heads in prayer in this moment? And I would just love to pray a simple prayer that says yes to Jesus. And you may be with us here in the room, or you may be with us online today. And if you've not prayed a prayer like this before, then you are welcome to make this moment you know, personal for you today. But I want to pray this for all of us as well.
Lord Jesus, we, we acknowledge again today that you are the great and awesome God. You're the God over everything. Lord, you are the one who knows how our lives work best. And Lord, we acknowledge that in so many ways our lives have been broken. Lord, I, I, I acknowledge today again that my life has been broken in so many ways. But Lord, thank you that you have the power and the love to reset my life. And so Jesus, I'm sorry when I've gone my own way and I've messed up, but Jesus, in this moment, I bring the whole of my life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, into your presence. And I ask for your forgiveness of when I've messed up. And Lord Jesus, I ask that you would reset my life. Jesus, you would put the pieces back in the places that they are supposed to be. Jesus, where I need healing, that you'd pour healing into my life afresh today. And so, Jesus, I say yes to you. I say yes to your amazing plans for my life. I yield to you. I choose to align my life with your will. I ask that you'd fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Oh, man.